Hey, I'm Caressa. Hey, I'm Maddie. You're not watching the Disney Channel right now. You're listening to Dreadfully Twisted. We are back. We're back. Two weeks in a row, you got us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We made a promise that we're trying to keep here. Yeah, so. I mean, I did research in like two days, so. <laughs> <laughs> did it while I was at work, because I have nothing to do at work. Yeah. Well, hey, there we go. It's the perfect time to do yeah. it. <laughs> um, But, exciting news, today, this this story is technically a two-parter. <gasps> dun, dun, dun! <laughs> so, you're getting part one today, and then... You're going to get part two sometime. Yeah. <laughs> it might be next week, depending on if I get my research done or depending yeah. if you get your research done first. <laughs> but it'll be coming soon. It'll be coming either next week or the week after. Yeah. You might have to wait. To coming soon. I'm sorry. <laughs> the theater's near you, but not really. But I'm also <laughs> excited because a little exciting news for my crafting business. I am going to be selling my stuff in a store. <gasps> I was so excited and I don't know if I could do that or not I don't know I was thinking maybe I could try some like merch for the podcast mm-hmm. there but I don't know about that probably could but I could probably do that at craft shows yeah yeah you definitely could. but um yeah so there's that and then we watched Five Nights at Freddy last week yes we did it was good it was good I was hoping it was more scary yeah it was a little too PG but it was good yeah it was good though and then other exciting news that I cannot (laughs) wait for is that we're going to the Hollywood and Dead concert on Saturday on Saturday I've been like every day (laughs) listening to their music and I've just been putting five days four days three days only a day I'm so excited we're excited I'm so excited me too we're gonna have the best time it's gonna be so fun I know we're gonna take a million pictures yes yeah yes it'll be so fun so if you see a photo on dreadfully twisted of us at a concert yes you did <laughs> you did <laughs> so i'm excited for that um so all this positives before we get into the really 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 sad case oh no am i gonna cry well it's not sad <laughs> it's happy yeah after a certain point yeah but then it gets sad. Yeah. And then it gets even sadder in part two. Oh. <laughs> so today I'm going to be talking about a case that happened in California. And it happened in the 70s. And yeah, it's it's a lot to unpack here. So buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Gregory Stainer was born April 18th, 1965. His parents are Kay and Delbert. Delbert worked as a mechanic in a peach cannery. Canary. Canary. That says peach canary, not cannery. <laughs> cannery? Canary? Either one's fine. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> he worked 18 hours a day for six days a week, which, oh my. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I don't even want to work eight hours no. a day. No. I don't even want to work five days a week. So working <laughs> six days a week, like yeah. I used to do that. And I can't even imagine eighteen hours Mm-mm. a day. Like, what you get like 
not that much sleep. Yeah. I need my Seriously, sleep. Seriously, when do you sleep? <laughs> I need my sleep. <laughs> Me too. Kay stayed home with the kids. Stephen was the third of five children. He has an older brother, Carrie, and three younger sisters, which I am not going to name his sisters, but there's a reason why I'm naming his brother, Carrie. Anyway. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) He lived in a small city of Merced, California, which is a small farming town kind of in the middle of nowhere. Merced is two hours from Yosemite and is called the Gateway to Yosemite. People who knew the family described Kay as cold and not active in the children's lives, um, even though she was home with them all the time. Carrie was the first to discover his personality, and he took Stephen under his wing. They always hung out together, and he invited them to go on bike rides and hang out with his friends, like, all the time. They were, like, super close, at least at that time. However, on the afternoon of December 4th, 1972, Stephen was walking home from school, on which was only four blocks. He was on Yosemite Parkway, which goes to Yosemite. When Stephen doesn't come home, both of his parents were worried. They were alerted, so they called the police. Oh, I didn't say. He was seven years old that this happened. Yeah. So he was seven. So they were like, why didn't my seven-year-old come home? Yeah. Like, that's not normal. <laughs> that is not normal. So the investigation started with the police on foot looking through the area. Since Stephen was seven and it was a safe area and a safe town, the police started with that because they were like, we don't know what happened. So we we're just going to like scope the area, see what's going on. It was a safe area and a safe town. So the police started with looking... And then the media started reporting and the local news showed up and was reporting the disappearance of Stephen because they were like, what's going on? <laughs> they were all wondering, how can a little boy get snatched in the middle of the day on a busy road? As the day turned into the next day and they still had no idea where Stephen went, his parents' wor- his parents' worry grew even more. Yosemite Parkway was a highway and a lot of people drove on it. It was a very busy road and a lot of strangers were on it every day. So strangers being in the area wasn't uncommon. Yeah. It was very common for just random people to be driving on the mm-hmm. road because it was a highway. So again, how could a little boy get yeah, exactly on a very busy street or busy road that was a highway that so many people would have witnessed yeah. what was going Not on? Not one person seen it. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> an abduction normally starts with ruling out family and friends. Then it goes to rule out predators. Then after that, it's hard to start narrowing down the possibilities because you've already narrowed down. You already ruled out, like, their family. So, it, and then you ruled out the friends. If there's no predators in the area, then you're like, hey, who took Steven? Yeah. Like, <laughs> they couldn't find anything. And just to think of it, it's the 70s with no cameras around to see what happened yeah. at the time. So there's No there was, ring cameras. There was no cameras. <laughs> so they were like, couldn't even get a car or yeah. anything. And. There was also no eyewitnesses, so yeah. no one saw what happened. So everybody was like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Days turned into weeks, and they still had no idea what happened to Stephen. Hope was draining. Even in the 70s, people knew that the chances of finding a child or anyone after missing for that amount of time, that, like, the chances lessens. Like, you're probably not going mm. to find them alive. Um, the heartbreak and worry started to take a toll on the Stainer family. Carrie started missing his brother. He felt guilty. Because he actually was supposed to be walking with Stephen that day. Harry would also go out at night and wish to the stars that Stephen would come. Aww. Which is really sad. Like, that's, like, heartbreaking. Delbert and Kay put pressure on Carrie at this time, which also made Carrie's guilt worse. 
They were individually struggling. Delbert became easily agitated and became rough on the kids. Kay Kay became more withdrawn, becoming colder and more distant, which is understandable because they were grieving for their child. Yeah. Like, I would be like, my child's gone, so, like, I'm not the same person. Yeah, for sure. But this also left four kids in the house with absent parents, abandoned and neglected. However, life had to go on, but everyone in the family still struggled. Harry eventually made it to high school, and he was voted the most creative because he was an artist who drew cartoon-like drawings. People raved about his artwork. However, he was still just the kid whose brother went missing. People, that's all people really known him for. And Carrie was still struggling despite being an artist and people being like, oh, your art is good. Mm-hmm. He was still struggling. He had trichotillomania, which the description of that is a disorder that involves recurrent irresistible urges to pull out body hair, which include hair from the scalp, eyebrows, and other areas of the body. There are so many causes of this, but it is rel- like relative, related <laughs> to stress, <laughs> pressure, and trauma Carrie had been dealing with. And this time, for some people, this is mild and manageable. For others, it is not and is very overwhelming. For Carrie, he pulled hair from his head, which left patches of no hair. Being that Carrie was young and in high school and he didn't want anybody to see, he always wore a hat to hide it. You don't want kids to make fun of you because kids are brutal. Yeah. Especially in high school. Definitely. The investigators kept searching, but there was no leads, and the case was going cold and not going anywhere. By this time, it's been six to seven years since uh, Stephen went missing. Harry grew up, and so have his sisters. His parents had to go on with their life. Stephen was still missing with no movement in the case, and it was still cold. Police said that he was abducted by a stranger passing through, and that Stephen most likely was not alive anymore. It was a homicide case at this point. Yeah. Then the community was hit with the same thing that happened to Stephen. A five-year-old boy, Timothy White, went missing in Ukiah, California, I don't know if I'm saying that right, while walking home from school, which is about four or four and a half hours between the two towns. Chaos ensued in the disappearance of Timothy White, and communities started forming together. Hours and days went by, and Timothy was still nowhere to be found. His parents were devastated, and the community was worried. The police were once again unsure of what could have happened. Fifteen days went by. In the middle of the night, an older boy and Timothy had appeared at a police station. Police called Timothy's parents, and they rushed to the police station. At the police station, they also taken the older boy into questioning. Says multiple times, his name is Dennis. But the police were asking if he kidnapped Timothy and what happened. He said he was hitchhiking with Timothy to get home, to get him home. And they were trying to find his home, but they couldn't, so he brought them there. Yeah, he brought him there. Then the police were asking what happened in, like, more detail. And the boy says, I know my name is Steven. Yeah. If you guys would see my face, I'm like, <laughs> you were not expecting that. Were no. You? <laughs> yeah. So what actually happened in 1972? That that's what you're all wondering. <laughs> well, this is what happened. You remember the one case I said this case like took place in like the 80s, and then I said 2021 <laughs> in another sentence, and I was like, wait a second, that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. We all have those days. (laughs) I'm just not reading this right. Okay. Irvin Edward Murphy, who had become acquainted with convicted child rapist Kenneth Parnell. They both worked at a resort in Yosemite National Park. Murphy described it by those who knew him as trusting, naive, and simple-minded man. Had been enlisted by Parnell, who had passed himself 
off to Murphy as an inspiring minister into helping him abduct a young boy so that Parnell could, quote unquote, raise him in a religious type deal the correct way. Huh? And Murphy agreed. Oh my God. How do people find each other? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, let me, I want to abduct a kid and, you know, from his home and just raise him in the yeah. correct way. Okay, yeah, I'll help you. Yeah. What is wrong Why with you? Why would you abduct a kid? <sighs> what is wrong with you? I, I don't understand. No. While Stephen was walking home from school, he was approached by a name, na- a name, a name. <laughs> he was approached by a name. He was guys. approached by a name. <laughs> and that name was a horrible guy. <laughs> I am struggling. <laughs> While Stephen was walking home from school, he was approached by a man named Irvin Edward Murphy. Acting on instructions from, from Parnell. I had like an accent there. Parnell. <laughs> Oh my god. This is what this is what you get whenever you get me on a Thursday after work. <laughs> okay. Who was passing out Parnell? Irvin was passing out gospel tracks to boys walking home from school that day and after spotting Stainer claimed to be a church representative seeking donations. Stainer later claimed that Murphy asked him if his mother would be willing to donate any items to the church. When the boy replied that she probably would, Murphy then asked Stainer where he lived and if he would be willing to take Murphy to. Wait. Yeah, if if Stephen was willing to take Murphy to his home to like ask his mom for mm-hmm. donations. After Stainer agreed, a white Buick driven by Car- Kenneth Parnell pulled up. And Stephen willingly climbed into the car with Murphy. Kenneth kept driving straight and didn't take the turn to the house. He went to a gas station and stopped at a payphone, and when he came back, he told Stephen that his parents called and said, didn't miss him and didn't want him back. Yeah. What the? Paul? (laughs) Yeah. Parnell then drove a confused Stephen to his cabin in nearby Kathy's Valley instead. Unknowingly to Stainer, Parnell's cabin was located only several hundred feet from his maternal grandfather's, which is really- Wait, how many feet? Several hundred. I'm guessing probably like yeah. less than 500. And okay, I probably should have put this at the beginning of the episode, but <laughs> um, this is an advisory for child sexual assault right now. So <laughs> if you want to skip this, I understand, but advisory, there's sexual assault. So just warning everybody. But Maddie stuck with me. So. Yeah, <laughs> she has to deal with it. Listener discretion advised. <laughs> but Maddie stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Kenneth molested Stephen the first night at the cabin. For the first week, Steve or Parnell kept Stephen high on cough syrup. Well, that's oh, I've so messed up. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And how much cough syrup do you have to give him to for him to be yeah, high? Seriously. It? Probably like bottles upon bottles, maybe. Kenneth began raping Stainer 13 days later on December 17th, 1972. So after Stephen told him many times during the first week that he wanted to go home, Parnell told him that he had been granted legal custody of him because his parents could not afford so many children and that they did not want him anymore. He also convinced him that his parents could not afford raising 
him with like the other children and that's just terrible it is terrible like oh your your parents can't afford to take care of you yeah literally brainwashed them like wow yeah wait your parents don't love you they don't want you like why would you say what is wrong with you (laughs) what is wrong with you you're a messed up individual and you're a terrible person we don't like you at all i don't like you Parnell created a new identity for Stephen, giving him a new name, Dennis Gregory Parnell, but retained his original middle name and his original date of birth. Yeah. Oh, let me just rename you, but you're going to keep the same birthday. Yeah. And you're going to keep the same middle name. So, you know, if that's not a little bit suspicious at all. Serial killer 101. Don't kill. <laughs> so what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? I don't understand. I feel like this is like dumb and dumber and it gets even better or even worse i guess better because he's stupid worse because he's stupid <laughs> he shouldn't have done this in the first yeah. place stephen was not kept in captivity and in following years was enrolled into a number of schools where parnell identified himself as his father no <laughs> yeah yeah yep yep absolutely not <laughs> yeah and the two moved frequently across California, living in bad trailers and locations including Santa Rosa and Comche, or Comche. Parnell allowed Stephen to begin drinking at a young age and to come and go virtually as he pleased. Well, that's nice. Good parenting 101, too. Yeah, if you want to be a father, you want you wanted to raise him the right way and the like religious type yeah. deal. But you could drink. You don't have a curfew. You could go off on your own, you know, go and get drugs and, you know possibly get murdered go ahead yeah no i don't like this guy just like what is wrong with you it's 10 yeah what is wrong with you it just keeps getting worse like what is wrong with you you did the most like horrible thing you kidnapped him exactly and now you're just gonna like not like what's the word discipline him yeah like oh here you go do whatever you want so bad for steven you know like me too. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, Parnell moved from one menial job to another. Some of his work required traveling and leaving Stephen unguarded, causing later an adult Stephen to remark how he could have easily used these absences as opportunities to flee, but was unaware how to summon help. Which is really sad. He could have could have got help, but he didn't know how. Because he didn't really know where he was, probably. Stephen had a relaxed upbringing as his captor, Parnell, horrible guy, not only allowed him to roam freely wherever he wished to go and allowed him to start drinking, which I don't understand that at all. But during this time, he also had grown fondly of his pet dog, Queenie, a Manchester Terrier. Parnell's mother had given the dog to Parnell. So, at least Stephen got a dog. Yeah. But Kenneth treated Stephen like a son during the day, but at night it was the complete opposite. He would sexually assault him. And, yeah. Whenever he decided to roll, enroll Stephen into school, um, which my question is, how can you enroll a kid into school without proof that he's who Parnell says he is? Yeah, Like, exactly. don't you need proof? Like, oh, this is my son. You need to give him, like, your birth certificate or yeah. something? Yeah. Like, 
Well, the answer to that question is, at that time, Stephen, or I'm not reading that right. I read a different sentence with that one. At this time, everything was done on paper, and Parnell just kept telling the school that he would get the document or the information to the school eventually. They were like, hey, where's this paper? He'd be like, oh, I'll get it to you like next week. They'll follow up. Hey, where's this paper? I'll get it. I don't have it yet. I'll give it to you like tomorrow or something. And then he just never gave it to them, and they just quit asking. So shame on the school. Shame on you. <laughs> Seriously, like, <laughs> what's wrong with them? <laughs> Wouldn't you want to like make sure that this kid wasn't kidnapped? Exactly. Like, you don't he think was? that's a red flag? I mean, red flag, red, red flag, flag, red flag. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just excuses at this point. Seriously. Oh my gosh. I hate this guy. Me too. <laughs> I don't hate him as much as Amelia, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They settled, they finally settled at Comchi, uh, California in a trailer that was thick in the woods and trees and brush. Which this part is really interesting. Stephen made friends and adjusted to this new life. By the time he was in high school, he had a girlfriend and he was on the football team. And he was drinking and now smoking and didn't have a curfew. He was completely brainwashed. Which started at the age of seven, which... At this point, it's been a long time because he's in high school now. He's like 14. So it's just, it's understandable that he wouldn't say anything because he's brainwashed. He mm-hmm. probably doesn't know. Yeah. Like, but he knows it's not right. Mm-hmm. But he's probably also afraid. Yeah, because he doesn't know anything else, really. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And he knew that sexual abuse wasn't normal, but he just kept it a secret. Because he didn't remember much of his actual family. Many reasons why he probably didn't report this was because of that. Yeah. He was like, where do I go after this? Mm-hmm. And this is all I've ever known. So yeah. I can't really leave. Um, so having friends and having that dog was a positive aspect of his life. Um, for a period of 18 months, a woman named Barbara Mathias lived with Parnell and, and Stephen. According to Stephen, Mathias, along with Parnell raped him on nine occasions at the age of nine. In 1975, on Parnell's instruction, Matthias tried to lure another young boy who was in the Santa Rosa's Boy Club with Stephen into Parnell's car. The attempt was unsuccessful. Matthias later claimed to have been completely unaware that Dennis had been kidnapped. I mean, quote-unquote, Dennis like Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you say that he, you don't know he's been kidnapped, but you're sitting here doing that to him? Yeah, literally. You're sexually abusing him and raping him? What but you're like, oh, you? I didn't know he was kidnapped. Like, that's the most terrible thing I've Literally. Just- <laughs> I think the other thing is a little bit worse than being kidnapped. Yeah, a little bit. Because that... <laughs> I hate these people. Me too. What Me is too. wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I can't stop saying that. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is just insane. It gets even worse as time goes on. Um, as Stephen entered puberty, Parnell began to look for younger children to kidnap. Since Stephen was now hitting puberty and could possibly fight back, Parnell was worried about that. So he had used Stephen in an attempt to kidnap other children on prior occasions. All the kidnappings attempts were unsuccessful. This caused Parnell to believe that Stainer lack the means to be an accomplice steven revealed later that he had an intent like intentionally sabotaged these failed kidnappings like because he didn't want another kid to be kidnapped so he sabotaged them on purpose because he was like no i'm not letting you do this yeah 
On February 14, 1980, Parnell goes behind Stephen's back and plays a teenage friend of his and told him to walk along the road asking for church donations. He and this friend then kidnapped five-year-old Timothy White in Ukiah, Ukiah, California, which is the same exact way Stephen was taken. When Kenneth comes back to the cabin with Timothy, Stephen was horrified and gutted. Timothy cried and begged to go home. Stephen couldn't take it and he didn't want Timothy to go through what he went through. Motivated in part by the young boy's distress, Stephen decided to return the boy to his parents. On March 1st, 1980, while Parnell was away at his night security job, Stephen left with White and hitchhiked into Ukiah. Loki, you're not supposed to be down here. How did you get down here? I'm sorry if you hear my dog. He was supposed to be upstairs, but he escaped, and he's down here now, so you probably hear him sniffing into the microphones. I'm sorry. You want to say hi? <laughs> Loki says hi, everybody. Loki says hi. <laughs> Where was I? Uh, okay. On March 1st, 1980, while Parnell was away at his security night job, Daner left with White and hitchhiked into Ukiah. After they were unable to locate White's home, they went to the police station. Fortunately, the police spotted him as well as... Stop sniffing the microphone. <laughs> this is a very chaotic episode. I am sorry. <laughs> okay. After they were unable to locate White's home, they went to a police station. Fortunately, the police spotted him as well and detained both of them. But when the police sat him down to explain everything, Stephen couldn't say it. And all he could say was, I know my name is Stephen. It's like sad because like sad. he knows he's not who he's yeah. supposed to like, He's supposed to be Stephen. He knows that. Yeah. But Timothy went back home with his parents, and Stephen's uh, family got the call they never expected to get. Stephen was still alive at the police station, which is insane because keep in mind, it's been seven years since he's yeah. been missing. Loki, please sit down. <laughs> please sit down. You're making this like difficult. He wants to be the third wheel, he <laughs> wants to be a part of this episode. He's a part of this episode. He just yawned. I don't know if heard that but it was adorable yeah. <laughs> uh what was i saying he's distracting me so hard right now okay stop <laughs> he's like pay attention to me this is why you're upstairs with your dad <laughs> so yeah so just think of that like steven's parents or family and family got a call saying that he was still alive and it's been seven years since he went missing just imagine how they felt yeah like, probably excited and enjoyed, but they're oh, like, also like, what happened? Yeah. The next day, on March 2nd, both boys were reunited with their families and Parnell was arrested. On the daybreak of March 2nd, Parnell had been arrested on suspicion of, du- of a- abducting. 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 <laughs> oh my gosh, I am struggle busting. <laughs> abducting both boys. When the police checked into his background, they found a previous sodomy conviction from 1951 in 1981 parnell was tried and convicted of kidnapping white and stainer in two trials he was sentenced to seven years but paroled after serving five i'm mad yeah just really made me mad (laughs) yeah could have at least served the seven years exactly in seven years that's it in five that's it oh my god what is what is wrong with them well, yeah, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm angry. Me too. And it gets even worse. 
Parnell was not charged with numerous sexual assaults on Stainer and other boys because most of them occurred outside the jurisdiction of the Merced County prosecutor or were by then outside the statute of limitations. Though Mendocino County prosecutors, acting almost entirely alone, decided not to prosecute Parnell for the sexual assaults that occurred in their jurisdiction. They just decided, oh, I just don't want to charge him with this. What? What? What is wrong with them? Exactly. They didn't want to charge him. They're just like, we're not. We're just not going to charge you. We're going to decide on our own that we're not charging you. Can you believe that? I'm sorry if you hear Loki sniffing in the microphone. (laughs) Then Murphy for helping kidnap Stephen and Stephen's friend for helping kidnap Timothy were convicted of lesser charges. Both claimed that they knew nothing of the sexual assaults on either boys. Or on on Stephen, sorry. I don't think Timothy was, was, um sexually assaulted i'm sorry i said that wrong i misread but both claimed that they knew nothing of the sexual assaults on steven matthias was never arrested steven remembers the kindness uncle murphy had shown him in his first week of captivity while they both were under the influence of parnell's manipulation and he believed that murphy was as much parnell's victim as he and timothy were steven's kidnapping and after its after and its aftermath prompted california lawmakers to change laws to allow consecutive prison terms in similar abduction cases so at least it changed some of the laws but that's like with the baby farming case too Mm -hmm. literally one of the most awful stories i ever heard changed so much like adoption laws like all that stuff It was very intense for Stephen, who had gone seven years. Timothy, it was two weeks, but it's still traumatizing because he was still so young because he was yeah. five years old. And he got taken off the road. Um, but it was very difficult for Stephen because he got a lot of publicity after returning home. He appeared on Good Morning America. Timothy saw Stephen as his hero. However, the reality with every survivor receiving attention when they had gone through this terrible thing and everyone thinks that they will just go back to normal, they can't and they don't. Stephen didn't remember his siblings. Returning home, Stephen felt his parents were still treating him as their seven-year-old child and had trouble adjusting to, to him no more and he no more had the freedom to smoke, drink, or do whatever he wanted. He was placed in the same room as Carrie and this, sad, this, this part's sad. Him and Carrie didn't get along after him being back. They would fight a lot. And there's a reason for this, which I'll say in the second episode. But Carrie was very jealous of Stephen and all the attention he was getting, which I'll say that now. But uh, Stephen was mocked at school because of what he went through, which caused him to drop out. And after he began drinking more often, he was eventually kicked out of his parents' house. And he had time. He had a hard time adjusting to a more structured household, and he had even been allowed to smoke and drink and do as he's pleased when he lived with Parnell. But his parents were like, "No, that's not happening here." Yeah. In an interview with Newsweek shortly after his escape, Stainer said, "I returned almost a grown man, and yet my parents saw me at first as their seven-year-old. After they stopped trying to teach me the fundamentals all over again, it got better. But why doesn't my dad hug me anymore? Everything has changed." Sometimes I blame myself. I don't know sometimes if I should have come home. Would, would I have been better off if I didn't? Uh, Which makes me want to cry. Cause me like, too. He went through this terrible, terrible thing. I'm about to cry right now. <laughs> Literally building up. I gotta catch myself. Okay. 
about to cry i don't know why (laughs) this this case just gets to me a little bit but like just saying that after after reading it but this is the first time i said it Mm -hmm. out loud he went through this terrible terrible thing you as his parents like you could hear my voice like (laughs) (laughs) you as his parents are not going to support him yeah exactly you wouldn't even hug him you and you wouldn't hug him when probably all he wanted was a hug from you exactly like i'm literally crying right now because like i can like put myself in steven's shoes i can't even talk (laughs) i'm a mess right now okay i can put myself in his shoes and see where he's coming from Mm -hmm. but i kind of can't put myself in his parents shoes and see where they're coming from like if i was the parent i'd be like loving and exactly caring and no, I'm saying that they're probably, it's not that they weren't, but, like, I'd be a little bit more supportive. Yeah. And I would at least hug my child. Exactly. What is wrong with you? Why wouldn't you hug him? Like, and all he Makes me want to hug him. Yeah. It's it's very, very upsetting. Um, Stephen underwent brief counseling, but never sought additional treatment. He also refused to disclose all the details of the sexual abuse he endured from Parnell. In a 2007 interview... Stainer's sister said her brother did not seek counseling because their father said he didn't need any. She added, he got on his, with his life, but he was pretty messed up. He was bullied by other children at school for being molested and eventually dropped out. He began to drink fre- frequently and was eventually kicked out of the family home. His relationship with his father remained strained. Again. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, again. He went through this terrible, terrible thing. And you're going to sit there and say, oh, he doesn't need help. Exactly. And I hate every single person who bullied him for getting molested. Who does that? It's, it's not, not his, his fault. Yeah, I was like, it's not his fault. Exactly. That some disgusting pervert <clears throat> guy. I hate every single one of you. Decided, Except oh, Steven. <laughs> I'm going to ruin ruin this kid's life. Exactly. I'm going to be a terrible person and disgusting by just a matter of fact disgusting absolutely disgusting for touching a child like that why would you bully somebody for that that they didn't ask for it like they didn't it's not their fault what the heck i hate them i hate yeah, them they, every single person who did it they all suck <laughs> they do but it gets even sadder oh no in 1985 steven started working through things and steven married 17 year old jody edmondson with whom he had two children, a daughter, Ashley, and a son, a son, Stephen Jr. He also worked with child abduction groups, spoke to children about personal safety, and gave interviews about his kidnapping. He joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and worked at Pizza Hut. Which, that's nice that he yeah. was able to finally start getting mm-hmm. his life together. But only four short years later, on September 16th, 1989... He, su- he succumbed to head injuries after being involved in a car accident while returning home from work on his motorcycle. Oh. At the funeral, at, at his funeral on September 20th, the 14-year-old Timothy White was one of the pallbearers. <laughs> and 500 people attended his funeral. Oh my God. The alleged driver of the car was later identified by witnesses. So after going through all of that, after going through all that, he finally got his life together. Exactly. And then somebody hits him. I really hope his dad regrets not hugging him. 
Yeah, because now you're never going to be able to exactly. hug him. Exactly. I hope you feel like angry. a piece of garbage. <laughs> but, yeah. So sad. And he was, I believe he was only 24 years old when he died. I think Timothy was. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sad. Can't wait to see a picture of him. I don't, I actually don't think I even looked up any pictures. Oh, no? Actually, yes, I have seen pictures of him. I started watching a documentary about this, which I'm about to get into because yeah. there's media adaptations about this this case. Um, you can look up a picture of him. He was a he was a pretty like cute kid. And yeah. Sad. Finally started getting his life back mm. on track, and then the universe was like, "Nope, I'm taking that away from you." Yeah. What the heck? So we're gonna get into the media adaptations because there's many movies and television miniseries about this and you might want to watch them so i'll go into a little bit of it in early 1989 a television miniseries based on his experience i know my first name is steven also known as the missing years was produced steven taking a leave of absence from his job acted as an advisor for lorimar telepictures and had a non-speaking part playing one of the two policemen who escorted 14 year old steven through the crowds to his awaiting family on his return to his Merced home, although pleased with, with the dramatization, Stephen did not complain that it had depicted him as somewhat obnoxious, rude person. What? Why would you do that? Why would you depict him as an obnoxious, rude person? Exactly. Especially towards his parents. Something he refuted while publicizing the miniseries. In the spring of 1989, the two-part miniseries was bro- first broadcast on NBC on May 21st 20- and 22nd of 1989. Screening rights were sold to a number of inter- international television companies, including the BBC, which screened the miniseries in mid-July of the following year. Later still, it was released as a long, as a feature-length movie. Okay, I am angry with that. Me too. Okay. Why did you do that? I'm going to portray this kid that just went through this horrifying thing in his life as a rude kid. When he probably just wanted his family back. Exactly. Where did they even get that from? Like, what made them think, oh, let's make him obnoxious and rude? Probably because they're like, the story isn't, isn't enough alone. We have to add something to it. We so have to make, make it more dramatic. Kid. Like, it wasn't dramatic already. Like, it wasn't traumatizing for the poor uh, kid. Goodbye. <laughs> what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you, movie producers exactly. and movie people? And everybody you suck. With everybody <laughs> <laughs> involved in this. <laughs> The production, which received four Emmy Award nominations, including one for Namek, was based on a manuscript by Michael Eccles, who had researched the story and interviewed Stainer and Parnell, among others. After the premiere, Eccles published his book, also titled My Know My First Name is Stephen, in 1991. In the epilogue to his book, Eccles described how he infiltrated N-A-M-B-L-A. In 1999, against the wishes of the Stainer family, Eccles wrote an additional chapter about Stephen's older brother, Carrie, at the request of his publisher, which then republished the book. Which you won't know about this yet, but that will be in part two of what Carrie had done after everything happened. Oh, my. Let's just say it's not good. Oh, no. The title of the film and book are taken from the first paragraph of Stephen's written police statement given during the early hours of March 2nd, 1980 in Ukiah. It reads, 
My name is Steven Stainer. I am 14 years of age. I don't know my true birth date, but I use April 18th, 1965. I know my first name is Steven. I'm pretty sure my last is Stainer. And if I have a middle name, I don't know it. It makes me want to cry. I know, me too. Steven's story was also included in the book Against Their Will by Nigel Cawthorn, a, compl- a, compl- a compilation of stories of kidnappings. In April 2022, Hulu released a limited true crime docuseries, Captive Audience, a real American horror story following the life of Stainer and his family and how the kidnapping impacted their lives. Particular attention was paid to the events that impacted the life of Carrie Stainer. The docuseries focused heavily on the miniseries and featured appearances by both Corin Nemec and Todd Ed- Eric Andrews. Ten years after Stainer's death, the city of Merced asked its residents to propose names for the city park honoring Merced's notable citizens. Stainer's parents proposed that the one be named Stainer Park. This idea was eventually rejected, and the honor was given to another Merced resident of because of of what I will tell you in part two. Yeah, he was... I can't tell you why, but I'll tell you why in part two of that. (laughs) I just say it has something to do with his brother. <laughs> <laughs> in 2004, Parnell, then 72 years old, was convicted of trying the previous year to persuade his caretaker's sister to procure for him a young boy for $500. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Aware of Parnell's past, she reported this to the local police. Thank God. <laughs> Timothy White, then a grown man, was subpoenaed to testify in Parnell's criminal trial. Although Stephen was dead, his testimony at Parnell's earlier trial was read to jurors as evidence in Parnell's 2004 trial. Parnell died of natural causes on January 21, 2008 at the California Medical Facility in Vacaville, California, while serving a sentence of 25 years to life. So he's dead. Good. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Good riddance. (laughs) No, good. Don't. Don't. Good. Good riddance him. Um, rest in dis- distress. Exactly. Rest in distress. I like it. <laughs> rest in his distress. Stupid co- Kenneth Parnell. Exactly. Screw you. I hate you. We hate you. While later, Timothy White became a Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department deputy, which is so nice. Fortunately, he died on April 1st, 2010, at the age of 35 from a pulmonary embolism. Nearly five months later, on August 28, 2010, a statue of Stainer and White was dedicated in Applegate Park in Merced. Residents of Ukiah, White's hometown, carved a statue showing a teenager, Stainer, Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) showing a teenage Stephen with young White in hand while escaping the captivity. Fundraisers for the statue have stated that this is meant to honor Stephen Stainer and his family, and give families of missing and kidnapped children hope that they are still alive. Then this. Stephen's father, Delbert Stainer, died on April 9th, 2013 at his home in Witten, California. He was 79 years old. His mother is still alive. Because she's in the 2022 Hulu docuseries. Oh, I yeah. started watching it. And yeah. she, she talks in it. But I'm not going to cover that series until i go into part two because yeah. part two cover part that. it covers it because that series is mainly about his brother carrie yeah. and what yeah. happens with him about it last week yeah 
I said, oh, okay, yeah. By the way, I said I was gonna do Gary Heidnick this week. Uh-huh. Yeah, I changed it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're 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 talking about this. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, um, this is a crazy case. Yes. Yeah, so that's about Stephen. Part two will be about Carrie, and on the other side of things, how it affected yeah. the family, how it affected Carrie, and stuff like that. Ready. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, I'm not excited. Well, not excited, but, but I'm ready to hear it because I've never heard this story before. Yeah. So. Also, I'll have to watch that on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that thing. Yeah, it's on Hulu. I started watching it at work, actually. Yeah. Because I have nothing to do there. So <laughs> why not do stuff that I can do while I'm home? Uh, exactly. I should not be saying this because I think people at work listen to my podcast, <laughs> to the podcast. So, so uh, guys, if you're listening to this, please don't say anything. Yeah. I try to find stuff to do. <laughs> exactly. It's when there's nothing to do. What there's else are absolutely you nothing to, to do. do. I'm like, okay, I'm going to use my time wisely. <laughs> exactly. Um, Work on the podcast instead of staring at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm going to have stuff to do because guess what they're doing at work? What? We're having a Christmas contest of who, whatever office uh-huh. decorates the best <gasps> gets like kudo points or whatever uh-huh. and gets to have a jean day and gets to get lunch. <gasps> so You're going like, to win. Jen and I are gonna win this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you for the internal, like, work. Yeah. My group won. Oh yeah! So we get lunch. I don't know about the customer choice yet because um, uh, it wasn't posted yet. Yeah. But I don't think we won for that one. But we mm. won for the internal, so that's oh, good. That's Thirty-one awesome. people voted for us. That's awesome. So I'm excited about that. And then I also wanted to um bring up. Did you hear about that? body that was found in a town close to us yeah there was a body found there in the in a pond on monday oh god yeah which i can read they, news article yeah but i just wanted to talk about that and then an, an ex-hollywood person uh. his wife or not his wife, but a body was found in his his garbage can. Garbage can. Yeah, oh. I saw it on TikTok before. I'll I'll tell you about that yeah. in a second, but I'll tell you about the body in the town close to us. Which I'm not gonna say the town because it's really close to us. Yes. <laughs> um, but Pennsylvania State Police continues to investigate after a woman's body was found in a pond. Um, Pennsylvania State Police continue to investigate. Police said Tuesday the body was identified. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Action News 4 reached out to the coroner's office for new information. They said they couldn't release information since they are still waiting on a test result and referred us to state police. Um, But the body was found near a road in this town on Monday. Police responded to the scene just before 1040 a.m. The pond is deep back on an old farmland and it cannot be seen unless you go through the brush. Some neighbors did not know there was a pond there. I didn't know there was a pond up there. When I lived up there, there was a pond, but it was inactive. It never held water or anything, a neighbor said. Fox used to live there and work on the farm. He said his brother owns and rents the house on the property. For him, it's sad to see this happen to once where he lived. But yeah, there was an autopsy, and they know there's like distinct tattoos on the woman's body that was found in the pond, but they um don't know. Like, they can't release who it is yet because they haven't, like, notified the family. Yeah. Which. I'm sure it will. Yeah. 
I'll tell you a couple weeks, I'm sure. Tell you about I have to find the TikTok. I I did save it. Um I did not save it. Why didn't I save it? (laughs) I do this myself. Oh my god, I hate when I do that. I think I liked it. I go into my liked videos and it's not there. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) So husband arrested after body far body 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 farm (laughs) body part found in dumpster wife and in-laws are missing um but it's an he's an ex something i don't know what his name i don't want to play the video But it was a human torso found in a commercial dumpster, and a homeless man found it searching for scrap metal. Oh my god. Um, his name is Sam Haskell. But it's crazy because his wife and in-laws are missing. Yeah. Yeah, So and he's an ex-Hollywood agent's son. The one that was killed, Sam. No, or the one his who found- wife oh. is missing. Okay, yeah. And her and his in-laws, yeah, in-laws. but he has been arrested. Oh, okay. okay. They found blood in the home. Yeah. So this might be a case that I, I might cover, mm-hmm. depending on- I just wanted to ask you if you, if you heard about yeah, that. Yeah, I never- Yeah, it, a torso. I know, so that's it's terrifying. Like a dismembered body. That's terrifying. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Well, stay tuned for part two. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> it gets even worse. It gets crazier. If you thought this was crazy, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have seen something yet, but I mean, it gets yeah. worse. <laughs> it gets worse. And the next time we record, it'll be after the Hollywood and Dead concert. Yes. And we'll tell you all about we it. We will. <laughs> we'll probably see a picture or two. Every time, so... Really quick, because this is a hilarious story. I walked into the lunchroom at work today, and mm-hmm. the CEO slash president of my job, yeah, like the place I work, he was like, "Anything new, and exciting lately or coming up?" And I was like, mm-hmm. "I'm going to a concert on Saturday." And he was like, "Oh, are you seeing?" And I was like, "You probably never heard of them. They're a rock band. You probably won't even want to know who they are." I was like, mm-hmm. "But you probably never heard of them." And he was like, "Oh, who is it?" And I was like, "Hollywood and Dead." And he was he gave me the weirdest look. He was like. He was horrified. <laughs> he, he like looked at me like, "Oh my god, what do you listen to?" And I was just like, "It's a rock band. You won't know." He was like, "Yeah." He was like, "If it wasn't in the seventies, then I don't know." And he like looked at me like all horrified. I was like, "I am so sorry. I just scarred this man for life." <laughs> like you know, let's hope he didn't go home and look them up and listen to them. He definitely <laughs> their old songs and <laughs> just put on the old songs. Yeah, they're gonna. If they look them up, they're probably gonna get everywhere I go. Like, everywhere yeah, I, I go. go. <laughs> like, he's gonna be like, <gasps> he's like, she listens. The-, the sweet, innocent, like quiet girl. I thought listens you were a music. <laughs> I thought you were a Swifty. <laughs> I was told that by my manager. Okay, another really quick story. Back in um September, I went with my sister to see. Fur King, The Devil Wears Prada, and a couple other bands. And my manager asked me what I was doing that weekend. And I was like, oh, or that week I was off because I was off the week. And I was like, oh, I'm going to 
I'm going to the Jonas Brothers concert on Monday, and then I'm going to another concert with my sister on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, what concert is that? And I said, oh, Fit for King, The Devil Wears Prada. And he gave me the most horrified <laughs> look then, too. And I was like, I'm sorry. He probably heard Devil and was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah. And he was like, I did not expect you to listen to that kind of music. And I was like, I listened to everything. And he was like, oh. He looked at me. He's like, I thought you listened to country music. And I looked at <laughs> him with a smile music. on my face. I was like, oh, that's the music I can't stand. Oh, my God. And he was like, oh, I guess I don't know you then. And that's I was like, so funny. oh, okay. <laughs> what the heck made you think that? I didn't come to work wearing cowboy boots and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna wear I'm gonna wear cowboy girl boots, cowgirl boots, and cowgirl boots. I said cowboy hat. girl <laughs> and a hat. And I'm gonna talk southern for now because <laughs> I'm I'm a country person. Yes, our favorite genre of music. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to like make fun of anybody who listens to country. No, <laughs> I do like some yeah country music. Yeah, I listen to like exactly. old Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. I listen to like Sam Hunt. Yeah. And sometimes Hunter's Hayes, but I have to be in the mood for it. When I say I don't like country, I don't like the banjos yeah, and like the, the old. My tractor. My tractor broke down. My tractor sexy. That's going in the clip. But it is. It definitely is. But, um, yeah. I just get so Okay, we're unhinged. We are unhinged. We are unhinged right now. We are. I have We're excited. Things happening to me right now. <laughs> I'm talking so weird. <laughs> oh my! But then there's the good country music that you hear, and it's like I like the rock country. I think the yeah. rock, like the ones that don't sound all like. I like Daughtry. Yeah, yeah. I love Daughtry. Mm-hmm. I've always have. Yep. I like Matchbox Twenty. I don't like the banjos. Yeah, the <laughs> if it banjos. has banjos, I don't like it. <laughs> okay, we should probably end this before yeah. it gets worse because <laughs> we're just off topic. <laughs> we're talking about country music. Loki wants to say bye, everybody. Uh, Loki's going to say bye. He said bye. He, he said, said bye. The, he sniffed the thing. Yep. Okay, I am so sorry that got <laughs> off the rails there. Um, I hope you enjoyed our <laughs> unhingedness there. Yes, our unhingedness. <laughs> <laughs> um. And go follow our social medias at yeah. Dreadfully Twisted Podcast. Email us at Dreadfully Twisted Podcast at gmail.com. Send us your stories and, and suggestions. Suggestions. And go to the Reddit um, slash r slash Dreadfully Twisted Pod. Um, send your stories in there, suggestions, talk in there, you know, have fun. Or DM us on Instagram. And yeah, yeah message us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Facebook. Um, go watch our TikTok clips because they're <laughs> hilarious. Because I <laughs> take clips from here and put them in there, and I compile like compile them, and they're just hilarious. Unhinged, <laughs> like share, us. <laughs> share our podcast to your friends and family who you think would like it. Um, we would love to try to grow this. Yes, every single follow, every single like, every single stream helps. Like it, it really count. helps so much. So so. Please, please share and please keep listening to us because we love you. We love you. And we are so thankful for everybody who has listened to us yes. this far and who continues to listen to us because we really appreciate it. Because I find this, even though we're talking about horrible, horrible things, I find it really fun. Me too. Because I get to me spend too. time with exactly. a friend. Exactly, me too. And we get to laugh and joke about <laughs> the terrible people. You can hear our funny, unhinged jokes. And, yeah. our- <laughs> and 
banter that yeah. <laughs> goes off the rails. <laughs> we try to make dark situations a little bit lighter. Yes. So, yeah. And it's just interesting to go into each case and yeah. find out how messed up people are. Exactly. Because what is wrong with you? Yeah, what is wrong with you? That's all we could say exactly. is what is wrong with you. And let us know if you want shirts that say that. Yeah. Because I'll do. make them for you. <laughs> That'll be merch on our Patreon. Merch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go listen to go go to our Patreon. I promise we will upload on there. Yes, very soon. <laughs> yes, we're gonna get back on track. I am motivated. I have my shop and a business. I we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, no more procrastination. Yes, because I do that really bad. <laughs> Me too. Me no too. No more procrastination. If I don't have time at work, I'll work on the podcast. Yes, <laughs> well, I do it at lunch anyway. But anyway, okay, this is getting so far off topic. Okay. We love you guys. All right. We love you. Please listen next week yes. to part two. We will see you then. Uh, stay positive. Reach out to your friends. Be there for them. Be a good person. Don't do crazy stuff like these people that we yeah, talk about. Don't kidnap children. Yeah. And don't kill people. Yeah. Don't do it. Uh, just be a good person. Because we don't want to cover you on the podcast. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to cover you. We don't. And stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. Um. And we love you, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. We'll not see you, but you know. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Bye. Bye.